As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is Action and Ambition, the show that takes you all over the world to share interviews with the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their backstory, get the most important lessons they've learned on their road to success, and hear exclusive tips on how to implement their success in your own life. Action and Ambition is brought to you by Entrepreneur Magazine and your host, Andrew Metal. Ah, hello, hello. How are you? Hey, doing good. Oh, awesome. Well, I say good morning to you for uh, multiple reasons. I say good morning just because it's the Southern formality I was raised with. I say good morning to anyone when I first meet them. But I also say good morning to you because it's become a joke at entrepreneur.com. I say good morning to all my guests, but I never actually know where they are or what time it is where they are. So where are you in the world currently and what time is it right now? Nice. It's uh, 4.30 right now, and I am in Florida, so it's a little bit of a late morning, but you well, know, some people get up now. So Yeah, I would say in Florida, you know, people are probably just waking from the previous night, I guess, depending upon where you yeah, are. Yeah, Miami yeah, yeah. I West. just woke up, actually. Oh, perfect. Well, yeah. I, you know, I also, there's, no, there's some debate about whether Florida is really considered the South-South especially to my family from Georgia and Alabama, but, uh, you know, geographically, certainly the South. So my uh, greeting of good morning, I feel like it's appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the more South you go in Florida, the more North it is. So that's Oh, that's actually a very true statement. I, I like that. Well, yeah. I, you know, again, I say good morning to you, but for the purposes of our listeners today, tell us your name and a little bit about the work you do. Hi, well, I'm Tyler Henkel. And so the project I'm currently working on is an NFT project. Uh, so it's a it's if you're into crypto, it's digital art um, and it, using NFTs as a platform for launching that. And I can go a little bit more into the detail of that project, but I'm sure you'll have questions about that. Oh, we definitely have questions. I have a lot prepared. I guess my first question then is is one that listeners always chime in on anytime we talk about crypto and then leading into the NFT space. Crypto, a lot of understanding of the functionality. Talk to me about the functionality or utility of an NFT and, you know, maybe give listeners some background on what an NFT is. For sure. Yeah. So an NFT is a, a, a token that's, it's a non-fungible token and it represents um, an asset on the blockchain. So that asset can be a car, a, a piece of property or a piece of digital art. And right now, the biggest, um, the biggest NFTs in the space are pieces of digital art. And people have these for a variety of reasons. One is it allows people to have ownership of art and have that transfer to, the, they can transfer to their wallet to other people very easily. 
Uh, unlike you know, physical art where you would normally have to ship something off, you can own a piece of digital art and you can tra transfer the possession of it um, very quickly. And uh, it al allows you to create scarce assets. So for example, normally with a, with a, you have a JPEG or a drawing or something like that, you, only, you can make as many copies as you want. With uh, an NFT, you have a limited number that you're creating. And so you create digital scarcity. And in the case of different applications, there's, there's ways you can um, send certain kinds of um, rewards to people that hold your NFTs. You can have them potentially get event, event access to certain things or you know, even allow them to get other, other NFTs or other um, physical assets as well. Well, that's something that a lot of other guests have touched on is the idea of, you know, hey, everyone knows what the Mona Lisa is like. You can take photos of it. You can copy photos online. But there's really only one Mona Lisa. I'm wondering, why do you feel like art is the most prevalent form of an NFT? You touched on the blockchain. And I know we've had other guests talk about the importance of the blockchain for really securing identity, potential medical records, financial transactions. But why do you feel like art is sort of at the forefront of the space when we talk about non-fungible tokens and when we talk about blockchain and we talk about increased value related to crypto? So I think the, the reason that this has caught on so quickly is it's it's very easy to transfer that value, a, sub, a subjective value of art to a digital medium when you have bring scarcity into the equation. With a lot of these other physical assets that you're trying to transfer onto uh, the blockchain, there is a lot of process, regulation, and a variety of um, you know physical constraints to doing that. But with digital art, it's very easy to move that into the blockchain and have that be represented by um, you know, someone owning this this token, and it, it immediately allows you to also have the ability to um, to have a certain status symbol for for owning that piece of art. Which is traditionally a lot of art has had about an, an element of status symbol associated with it. Like if you have a very rare and unique piece, um, there's there's some value in showing that off to people that you um, have collected it. It's a collector's item, and so if you think of like the collector's marketplace. What we're seeing now is the displacement of that through digital um, NFTs. And normally collectibles would be, you'd have to validate them through a third party. You'd have to send them off. You'd get them uh, like in a special little box and couldn't really even enjoy them as much as you normally would because they're, you know, validated by this third party collector. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, and then selling them is difficult. But with uh, the digital form, it's much easier and quicker to sell an NFT or to transfer to someone else. Mm -hmm. You can track ownership. You have the authenticator. There's certain things that are there. Uh, you touched on a little bit at the start and regarding the utility. And I want to talk about the price function. I mean, you are obviously an expert in the space. We'll get into your background. But talk to me about how price is determined when it comes to an NFT. So this is really interesting right now because we have a lot of uh, speculation in the NFT market. And so it's gone from like this bubble phase where we saw in like, um, I guess, late 2021, early 2022, where we were seeing like these peak values on NFTs. And it was hard for people to, to get a grasp on what these are actually worth, right? Um, it, it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of like the internet when the internet first came out, there was all these tech companies that were exploding in value and people weren't really sure what they were worth. Uh, and it wasn't until maybe, you know, Amazon like reached a peak that didn't come back till years later, but these, they had a fundamental value and that's what people and investors were finding in these projects. And uh, ultimately they did come out actually to be much bigger than the original internet um, boom. 
And I think something similar happening with NFTs, we're in this price discovery uh, point where people are trying to figure out what the value of these things are. And does it have to be always associated with some tangible asset? Can, can something just have value just because it's a piece of art? Uh, I think we see with like Bored Apes, that's a really interesting example of a project that has done really well um, with just the art and, and you know, they released a few more NFT drops and then they have a promise now of something in the future. But a lot of it has just been purely the art and the community that you're a part of. Mm -hmm. And just being part of a very high value community has a lot of value. Well, I love that you touched on the community because that's something I wanted to bring up later in the interview. And I, I feel like we might as well jump to that right now. And then we'll come back to your background. But uh, talk to me about the community you've created. What was the concept behind the NFT collective that you've built? And, you know, maybe to start that off, I should take a step back. Tell us about your NFT collective. And, yes. uh, name, uh, members, designers, you know, how did this thing come to be that you've built? So the uh, the original idea for this project came when I was experimenting with AI-generated art. And I saw the potential for how AI art is going to just change the landscape right now. Um, I, I, for, for our listeners who haven't really seen what it can do, it's pretty incredible. And a lot of the art that's coming out now has gotten to the point where you can't even really tell the difference that it was created by a machine versus a person. And so from experimenting with this, I came with, with the concept of machines that create other machines and machines that create other gods, actually. And these gods create their own world of machines. And it, it actually started with this prompt that I gave uh, for one of the drawings, which was uh, God in the machine. And it gave me this uh, machine uh, that was combined with a human. And it looks just very interesting and uh, like it had a story behind it. So then I started to like imagine what this story could be and that it, it spawned its whole genesis of other machines. And so I started to create um, this, this tree, if you will, of evolved machines from this uh, original type. And so each machine has some similarity to the original one because they're all variants of that machine. But then with the, with the process, we are accentuating certain um, aspects of each of those um, robots to look like something else. And uh, as you get farther down the line, you get farther away from the original origin. And so it's just, a, it's with the art, we started posting this on Twitter right from the, right from the beginning, just when I was testing this out. And people were uh, really just blown away by the art and they just started sharing it virally on social media. And from this process, I've just been dropping more art and people have been, more people have been following and just really excited about the project. And it's been a completely organic process. Um, one thing I found really doesn't work in the NFT space is paid marketing is not that as effective. At least it might have been effective, you know, six months ago, a year ago, or something like that. But with the current space, it's really organic community that is driving people to a project. And well, yeah, so no, go for it, please continue. Sorry. Yeah, and so so we saw this this organic uh, growth on this project, and from there, people just started joining, following the Twitter account, and joining to the Discord. And then just really loving the art and wanting to become collectors of it. Well, uh, let's dive into that a little bit more because I feel like there's often misconceptions about sort of the communities that are built around NFTs. I mean, you mentioned one. I don't want to mention that one again, but you know, you just touched on the paid marketing. What do you feel like are some other sort of misconceptions or things people don't know or absolutely should know when it comes to the NFT space, especially sort of the organic buildup that you just talked about? Yeah, so um, a big element in the in the, the community aspect 
is finding other communities that you have similar uh, connections with and forming collaborations. So collaboration between two communities can come in a variety of ways. You, sometimes that's like through people giving things away. Sometimes that's through people building value where your, your community gets access to another community or gets some benefit from another community. Or perhaps it's a piece of art that is built in the style of another collection or something like that. And these, these kinds of things that bring uh, two communities together can cause a, a surge of followers into your project. And so I found that collaborations are one of the, the best organic ways of growing a project. And combining that with having a, um, you know, an audience that is just really excited about the art, um, you can start to have people just sharing your project and, and, and growing it um, without you having to uh, pay for, for marketing. Well, so you mentioned the fans, you know, sort of spread that sort of aiding awareness, aiding the visibility, retweeting things. Um, what does it look like when you were trying to join forces with another community? Is that something where you were doing the outreach initially? People are coming to you. Is it a combination of both? What percentage of things that come to you do you turn down? You know, what are you looking at when you're looking to partner? Give me an idea of what that collaboration is like. Uh, yeah, so it really depends on the project. Some are so on the kind of collaborations we do, where it's purely just based on like building awareness uh, to the project, um, and and it's not really something we necessarily want to build like a, a, you know a project with that that community. We'll often find ways of giving them access to our NFTs. So usually whitelists are a valuable commodity in the NFT space because that allows somebody to get early access to mint uh, or purchase an NFT. And because if, if an NFT is scarce and has a high demand, having a whitelist spot can be quite valuable. So having using those as a leverage form to um, to gain that you can give to another community has a lot of value. Uh, so that's that's one thing that we look to um, to give away to the communities we work with. As far as what we look for in another community, we try to make sure that they are organically um, like active, uh, engaged with their audience and that they're not using paid marketing tactics because we I find that again the paid marketing tactics they they're great for showing like really like high numbers of people following you or or engaging with your posts but it doesn't really last at all because what ends up happening is um that actually drives down your um your impressions because most people aren't going to like those robots aren't going to keep engaging with your content they're going to like that one thing and then, then it's over and they're not going to share it and stuff so actually having that organic following something we always look for in our um, in our collaborations. Mm. Well, I want to pause right there. I want you to talk about the community. I know listeners will be interested. Name a community, how they can find you. You talked about the Discord. You've talked about Twitter. Let's plug those channels. How can yes. people find out about you and the community? Yes. So the project is named deusx.ai. So uh, that's the Latin spelling. So it's D-E-U-S-E-X.ai. And you can go to the website and from there you can find our Twitter or our Discord, or you can just look us up on Twitter because we have the same name there. And from there, you, joining the Discord is really the best way to be part of the community because there you can talk directly to me, to other people that are working on the project. Uh, you can talk to other people in the community and you can just find out about more about what we're doing. Uh, the website's really great for just getting some idea of what the art is looking like and, and seeing more about the project and finding the information. Uh, but also the Twitter will get you uh, just the most up-to-date sneak peeks of stuff we're working on and, and the art. 
Awesome. I'm glad we got to get that out there halfway through the interview. I want to make sure people know how to find you. But let's talk about the name in particular. Early on, you mentioned, you know, a machine within a machine. Why this name and sort of how did the sort of guidance for the art come to be related to the name? Was the name first and then the art? Was the art first and then the name? How did this? Uh, yes. Well, actually, so the, the, the words God in the machine uh, came to me because of the words deus ex machina, which is like this plot device that is in movies to describe when something happens that's really unexplainable. Um, and the, the idea of uh, a machine coming out of that, uh, a God coming from a machine was so, just came to me as like, this is a, a unique idea for um, an art collection. And once once I had that, it just was like the perfect name for it. It was like there, there wasn't really any other name that would fit. Uh, so I got kind of lucky to, to be able to have that. And um, I, as far as like actually using those those words in the creation, like it actually inspired a lot of the science fiction that I was choosing to model the creation of the art. So uh, I'm a big science fiction fan, and like I, I watched uh, you know, Prometheus and you know read iRobot and things like that. And so incorporating different elements of different stories into uh, the, the imagination of these characters that I was building was an important part for me. Oh, that's amazing. So uh, when did the collection launch? And talk to me coinciding with that, what did growth look like? I mean, you start building things through AI-generated art. You put the first thing up on Twitter at what date and what happens? Is it two weeks later, a month later? How was it discovered? And, you know, talk us through the process of where you started to where you are now. So uh, initially what I did with, uh, I, this was a brand new account. I had like zero followers on my initial account. Uh, and I was anonymous too. I, I didn't reveal who, uh, who was behind this project early on. But what I did was I went to Twitter and I uh, posted a piece of the art, uh, you know, gave it some of the hashtags and things like that that would get it attention in the space. And then I just reached out to a few people that I knew were in the NFT space and just asked them, hey, can you check out this art? I'm just, you know, I'm a fan of your project. Would you be willing to just take a look at what I'm making here? And that outreach, you know, grabbed a couple of people's attention and got a retweet by one, one account that started going to their followers. And then from there, it just kind of kicked the ball rolling. And from there, I was able to just continue to post art and naturally people would retweet and share um, and tag other uh, their friends and so, so forth which continued the growth. And so um, it was interesting to go from like a zero following account that was brand new, completely anonymous. Uh, and then we hit, um, you know, tw I think we're at 2,100 followers right now. It's less than two months from when we started the account. So it's a pretty fast growth for a brand new account under th those kind of circumstances. And uh, what we saw with the, the launch, so the launch was actually uh, five days ago um, on Saturday. And uh, you know, considering the market right now, we were expecting a really slow sale of this product because um, it just the NFT space is down in general. And so we were expecting, you know, it could take like three months or something to sell this product out. Currently, we've in the, in the first five days, we've sold a thousand of our NFTs, which uh, is about a third of the initial uh, launch that we were planning. So we're, we're on track to actually sell out the collection within the month. And we're just excited to see that. And it's much faster than we expected. Amazing. An incredible case study on you know, virality. Uh, I guess, talk to me about the timing then. You mentioned that the NFT market is down. Why launch now? Why let the whole collection be available? I know that there's mentioning of additional pieces, but why release it currently, uh, knowing you know, kind of how the market is? 
So I think right now it's really the time where people should be building in the space and should be looking for opportunities to find good projects to invest in. And if you look at, as we mentioned, Board Apes is one example of a project that started in an NFT bear market. And it actually grew from that to like being one of the largest NFTs in the space. I think when you look at the timing of launching a collection, it's not always best to be launching when it's in a bull market because you have so much noise in the space that it's gonna distract from really quality projects. So I felt that it was a good time to just try to get something out there that I felt was quality and stick with it and then allow the markets to do what the market does. And you know, if we come back to a bull market or whatever, that you know, I'm sure that that's when people will be glad to hold uh, quality projects. Well, I would say you are, you know, doing more in regards to, you know, influencing what the market is doing, uh, especially because of the community you've built, but really about the things that you're supporting. Uh, oh, you're yeah. doing something that I would say no other group, at least in the NFT space, is doing. Talk to me about your refugee support campaigns, because this is truly remarkable. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know of any other NFT group doing this and supporting other groups outside of their community. Talk to yeah. me about sort of how this comes to your core ethos as a sort of larger brand and the things you're doing. Uh, yeah, so this actually, uh, and yeah, you're right. I actually haven't seen another product do this and I've seen a lot of ones, a lot of products in space, but what this was kind of a, um, didn't even intentionally happen, but one of my moderators on my Discord server is from Pakistan and he reached out to me one day and just told me, hey, is there anything we could do to raise donations for this flood that happened in Pakistan? And at first, I, I didn't even know a, there was a flood that took place. So I had to, to Google and see what, what happened. And then I saw there was this huge devastating flood that displaced millions of people and about a, put about a third of the country underwater. And I was just shocked that I, you know, I hadn't heard about this, at least with my, my group of friends. And so uh, I, immediately I was like, oh, sure. Yeah, let me, I'll send you a donation. And then from there, uh, I sent him the donation, but then he's like, is there anything more we can do? Because like, this is like really desperate, like we need help. And I was thinking, well, okay, I wanna do more, but you know, this is an, a person on the internet that I don't even know. Like I, he's on my server, he's a community manager, but I didn't really know him at this point. So I was like, I need to check who, who he is and make sure this is legitimate before I would involve more people and more funding for this. So I was like, okay, let's let's see, uh, let's do a call, let's um, let's talk talk to charity, and it was really great because he arranged a call with me and the charity and told me about his background. He was a computer science student, and the the charity actually are, are friends of his who started this uh, this charity a few months ago before the flood even took place, and uh, saw their Instagram page, saw stuff they were working on. They sent me um, their ID just to have that so that I knew that they were uh, legitimate. And then once I had done all this vetting, then I felt, okay, well, now I know these people are legit. How can I get them help? And so from there, I was thinking, well, first, let me just talk to my friends. Maybe we can raise some donations from them or something like that and, and just see if that would be enough to help. Um, after talking to them, I, I realized that it really wasn't the best way to go and that using the community that I leveraged would actually provide the most opportunity to help. So I thought of how I could do that and the idea came to me to just do a, a charity auction for one of the pieces and to, to give that away um, to people that follow us on, on our Twitter account and who donate. And so um, I, I made a special piece, put that up for the auction. And th this is a great application for 
the AI art too, because we were able to you know, create the art with AI and it was a special uh, one-off collection separate from our main um, NFTs. And so we were able to make that piece of artwork and then uh, put that up for auction. And we were able to raise, well, actually before I say that, uh, what, what happened was really interesting with how the, that uh, auction went. So first I put it on Twitter and I got some interest. I got people retweeting, I, I shared you know, what this is going to, but um, there wasn't that much money donated. Uh, then I decided I'm going to reach out to people directly. I, I, I know there's some people that care about what's going on. Just, so I, I messaged some people on Twitter that I knew uh, were active in the NFT community. And uh, one of them actually was like, oh, this is an amazing cause. I really appreciate what you're doing, but I don't know who you are. And I don't know if this is like legitimate. So I then at this point was an anonymous account, right? So I was like, okay, I have to reveal about who I am and talk to this person and show them you know, who I am. So once I did that, they felt comfortable in sharing this uh, with their followers. And then from there, those followers shared actually again and again, and actually went viral. And I, from the, just that one um, chain, um, I had a bunch of retweets come in and very large donations, and it was able to raise about $2,300 off that single piece. Wow. And I was just blown away by the response and how amazing the community was to get behind this initiative. And once once I had that, I was like, okay, now I'm just going to make sure this is uh, spent well with the uh, with the um, charity. And so I've been, you know, working with the charity to, uh, to to distribute the funds, and they've been sending me videos and photos as they've been making these distributions. And it's just been amazing to see like the, the real world impact of people getting food, water, blankets, and this all coming from uh, th this amazing combination of technology here. I mean, to see uh, Discord creating this community where I was able to, to meet somebody who's in Pakistan, who's affected by the situation, to then uh, Twitter, where I'm able to share the story and get it out to people uh, who are able to do something about it, then using the NFTs as a way of giving value back to people that make a contribution, and then crypto as a way of receiving funds and sending them to a charity and, and getting that in, uh, instantly to a local charity that's on the ground. And what's amazing about that process is this this fund these funds are going to a local charity rather than some global uh, initiative. So it's it's getting directly to the people that need it, and you know that there's not as much red tape involved or or other things happening to the money. Uh, that's unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable what you're doing. And I, you just touched on one of the questions I want to ask was, do you feel like making this donation through crypto? It made it easier than sort of gathering funds, sending a check, wiring money through a bank. You know, do you feel like there were advantages through crypto being the medium than traditional sort of donations? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, just to think about the, I mean, there's fees and complexity alone to uh, to sending uh, money. But not only that, there's there's long processes and delays that go with that. And to be able to instantaneously send this money uh, across the world have it in someone's account where they can you know, withdraw this in, into their local currency and then do something with it. And you don't have to go through any of those normal procedures. You don't have to worry about transaction fees. You don't have to worry about your bank shutting you down because they're like, why is this money going to Pakistan? You're sending, is this a scam? <laughs> you know, there's, there's all these barriers that would prevent someone from actually being able to send money. And also the, uh, the ability to raise money easily was also interesting because uh, how many people on our Twitter that we're able to easily send money for donations, 
where they normally would have had to, you know, come to put in their credit card number on some website. And they, you know, they might not feel comfortable doing that just because they don't, you know, know the charity that well. And so, but here they can just say, okay, I'll, I'll throw in, I'll chip in, you know, 20 bucks or 30 bucks or something. Wow. Amazing. Well, as my final question for you, I guess, you know, indulge me if you will pull out the crystal ball predictions for the NFT space. I know you said currently down predictions for your projects, collective, uh, the art that you're building and really predictions for sort of fundraisers, being able to differentiate yourself, continuing on with what you're doing for refugee support, but really what you see as far as getting the community interested in sort of global humanitarian assistance. I mean, really, what you've done is incredible, but I'm wondering, what do you see as far as predictions for the future? Yeah, so I am really just very bullish on this space long term. And I think uh, in the next you know, five or 10 years, we're going to see so many uh, companies adopting these kinds of technologies just because they make things so easy to do and they just remove a lot of the friction uh, along the way. And I think that we're going to see a large uh, adoption of charity work through this process. We're going to see um, more applications for NFTs. And it's it's really interesting to me to, to see uh, the evolution of uh, the NFT space, because I think right now we're at a point where people are looking for the real value and tangible benefits to NFTs. And they're looking for you know quality projects that seem like they're going to stand uh, around for the future. And to see those kind of evolve over time is going to be really interesting. I think with our project, we have a very unique advantage of uh, you know, having people that are experienced in this space and can see the potential for how we can use NFTs and crypto for unique ideas. And uh, with, with the efforts for charity, I'd love to do more of these kinds of charity fundraisers in the future and use, use this kind of medium as a way of doing that. And also being able to use the combination of the, the crypto world with the AI world, which is they're both emerging very rapidly. And I think both of them are going to have a huge impact on our society. You know, it's amazing. You're building a community and a community people want to believe in and be a part of. I mean, it's absolutely incredible what you've done. Uh, as the final piece, again, remind people how they can find out about more about you, more about the project, more about the collective, Discord, Twitter, website. What's the best way for people to find you and reach out? Yeah, so definitely uh, check out our website. Again, it's uh, deusx.ai, so D-E-U-S-E-X.ai. And you can find us on Twitter. And that's really the best way to find all of our channels. From there, I would jump into the Discord and just say hello. And uh, we can uh, tell you more about the project and you can learn about it on the website. Amazing. Tyler, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. As the final, final piece, a focus word for the remainder of 2022. Focus word. Um, I'm going to say um, development. I love it. Tyler, thank you again for your time. We'll have to have you back and hear more about the project, how things are shaping up, and more about the money that you're raising. Again, thank you for your time, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to Action and Ambition with your host, Andrew Metal. Please leave a review and subscribe and go to andrewmetal.com for all the exclusive lessons, behind-the-scenes footage, and video content of the show. Follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Action and Ambition, and we'll see you on the next episode.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.